Hey, podcast listeners, before we get started, if the IRS is freaking you out right now and you want to do something about it, you can call me at 833-243-5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to watkinspodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that No Frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, hey, no big deal. Keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content on how you can fix your tax problem today. So if you owe the IRS, you may have noticed that they have been pretty active lately filing a bunch of liens. And this is the IRS's way of letting the world know that you have a tax problem. These liens are also pretty nasty if you're trying to sell your home or refi to a lower interest rate. It's a pretty extreme measure at the IRS, and it means they want all the money that you owe them, and they want it right now. But there are a few things you can do to get these things lifted short of paying everything that you owe right now. For example, if you owe less than $25,000, a tax professional may be able to get these lifted in about 90 days. If you owe more than $25,000, there are things like the IRS's Offer and Compromise Settlement Program that gets them off once they accept that. Now, we've helped thousands of taxpayers in an IRS mess, so we can probably help you out here too. We can help you out in all 50 states. So if you have a tax problem, I again encourage you to call me at 833-243-5455 or log on to watkinspodcast.com and set up a time there to talk to one of our tax experts about getting some help today. Now, back to your podcast. IRS problems are scary, but they don't have to be. Travis Watkins has been helping troubled taxpayers with customized plans to negotiate with the IRS and stop immediate threats to their livelihood so they can get a good night's sleep again since 1999. Now, here's Travis. Happy Friday afternoon, everybody. It's Travis Watkins. And we've been talking a lot here lately about the offer and compromise process. That's the settlement program that the IRS has, and it's a great program. If you qualify for it, you can save substantial money in many cases. And as I've said before, it's if you can support in good faith a offer and compromise in any manner, you should, by all means, try the offer and compromise process with the IRS. And I'm going to walk you through some stuff here today that's really like strategy on IRS offers and compromise. And you could really take this stuff and kind of run with it. I'm going to point out a few things uh, that might help you here in the process. Most notably, the IRS has a little calculator on its website, and it's no secret that they have it. And it cuts through a lot of things here for you. Um, shows you um, kind of whether or not you'd, in big terms, be a candidate for an offer and compromise. So um, without further ado, let's jump right into it, because there is a lot of meat on the bone on this one, if you know what I'm saying. Um, let's take a look at this thing here called the Offer and Compromise Pre-Qualifier. And you can find it at IRS 
.treasury.gov backslash OIC underscore pre underscore qualifier backslash faces, whatever that means, uh, backslash OIC underscore screen one. And um, let's just go through it because it really mirrors the uh, IRS's 656 uh, booklet, which is the offered compromise booklet with the IRS. And as I mentioned, a lot of things are, are will be pre-filled here for you. And I'll show you kind of what's good about this thing and, and what may not be so good about it. But let's just kind of jump in with, with uh, a few like kind of sample type numbers and things and see how this goes, all right? Um, it asks you, are you in an open bankruptcy proceeding? And um, you have to not be in one for them to consider it, so you would hit no. If you hit yes, and uh, well, I'll just show you what that does. Have you filed all required federal tax returns? We'll say yes. Have you made all required estimated tax payments? Another qualification thing that you have to meet to get an offer and compromise. If you're self-employed and have employees, have you submitted all required federal tax returns? You've got to have that there. Now, keep in mind, I've, I've checked the yes on an open bankruptcy proceeding. And bang, you're not eligible for an offer and compromise because you are in an open bankruptcy proceeding. So you don't want to do that. Uh, so let's say no. If you haven't filed all your federal tax returns, which is a big one, and you go through the rest of this thing, bang, you're not eligible because you haven't filed all federal tax returns. So. That's something that holds up a lot of people on these deals. You have to have all fe all federal tax returns on file when you go to submit your offer and compromise. So uh, make sure that you do that at the latest uh, by the time that you file the offer and compromise. And we'll talk a little bit about the strategy of how the timing of all this stuff works also because the IRS is going to require you to verify all these things that it's asking you about here on this page. So let's go ahead and mark that one, yes. Um, estimated tax payments, another huge one. This is something that knocks people out of the offer process all the time. They have to make estimated tax payments along the way. If you don't, let's just give it a shot. Bang, you're not eligible. You didn't make all required estimated tax payments. So gotta be in paying compliance at the time that you submit the offer or at the latest by the time they pick it up and start looking at your offer and compromise to process it and or approve it. That's the first thing they do right out of the gate, by the way, is check to see that all returns and estimated payments if required have been made and if they haven't this is easy for the IRS they just kick it right back to you no appeal no denial it's just a kick back to you uh, start over you know and by that point usually this takes this process at its quickest is about a six-month process so you don't want to lose a couple of months in this process just because you didn't have your estimated tax payments and everything all ready to move forward. All right. So we'll go back and click this one. We've made the estimated tax payments. We've made the uh, required federal tax deposits for our employees. I'll put in a zip code that's just mine for purposes for ease here. State of Oklahoma County of Oklahoma County, alas for your county there. 
And what it's doing here, the reason it's asking for this in this format is because it's going to start populating some geographic, geographical, geographic, <laughs> I don't know what the word is there. It's going to be calculating some expenses that are allowed by the IRS by, we'll just say your area where you live. So that's, that's what they're asking about there. By the way, none of this information is being collected uh, for any purpose by the IRS, so you're free to do this thing without uh, Big Brother uh, <laughs> jumping out of the bushes and saying, aha. Uh, moving on, total numbers of household, I'll just put in three, and we'll say that there's no 65-year-olds or older living in this household. Let's say for purposes of this one, let's put in a number, let's do that 125 that I've already got populated in here. And what is the most recent tax year you're requesting to compromise? Let's go ahead and let's put in oh, 2000 and let's do 2011, all right. And you hit next, and the reason they're asking for this too, by the way, beyond the obvious, they want to know what the most recent one is because uh, remember we've talked about before this. A lot of this is figured off of the IRS's statute of limitations. How many months are left on their CSED collection statute expiration date? And so this nifty little calculator uh, has this already all built in. However many months. So they want to know what the newest one is because anything past that, you know, um, I don't know if this thing is smart enough to, to, you know, show you. I guess we could go back and when this is all over, figure out if if uh, it would tell you if the IRS's uh, statute of limitations is knocked out. My guess is it does not. <laughs> so anyway, this is just kind of a a exercise to, to give you some idea what an offer could look like. All right, moving on, hitting next. Let's uh, let's put in a total bank balance of, oh, what do you know, $12. Um, the reason I'm putting such a low one in there is that you should have a low bank balance at the time that you do your IRS offer and compromise, all things being considered. And you're saying, hey, Watkins, that seems a little sneaky. What are you doing there? Uh, you should be depleting your bank balances down really to zero by um, making estimated tax payments for one for this current tax year is a great place to put the money um, you could I guess put some of the money towards the most recent tax periods at issue if you um, have some available money after paying uh, estimated tax payments more likely and, and most helpful for you would be to use the money in these bank accounts for things that the IRS would accept. Food, clothing, shelter, health, welfare, transportation. We'll go through all these things here, but just know you can use the money in there to essentially to stay alive or maybe prepay some uh, mortgage some of your mortgage or your rent would be a nice place to put all things that the IRS would allow you 
in their infinite beneficence to spend your money on every month. All right? So a uh, real low bank balance there. Let's put in a uh, home market value here of a $200,000 home. Let's do a home loan balance of uh, $195,000, shall we? Uh, very low um, equity situation here, which is very common. Um, a lot of people think, well, I can't get an offer and compromise at all if I have a, if, if I have a home. And we'll see about that, I guess, in this exercise. But um, what the IRS, what this calculator is doing here also behind the scenes, and we'll see it here when we go to the actual offer and compromise form, is they're giving you what's called the quick sale value of the home. In that circumstance, they're at a $200,000 home value. And where do you get the home value is probably your next question. The IRS usually will accept it off of the county assessor website. Usually it's online in most localities. If not, you could get that from your county tax assessor. But a $200,000 uh, home value to the IRS is really only worth 80% what what you could get in a quick sale or a QCV or QSV, excuse me, quick sale value there, which in that circumstance would be $160,000. So if the home loan exceeds $160,000 there, which it does, there's really no home loan equity, or excuse me, no home equity there in this calculation. All right. Uh, moving right along, let's say that this family of three has a uh, has one vehicle, but they it's a new vehicle, newer vehicle, and they have no uh, significant equity. In other words, the value of the vehicle is less than what is owed on it, which is virtually always the case in a, uh, uh, a banknote situation for a new car, unless you put down significant money with it. Let's say they don't own a uh, second vehicle. We'll put zero in there. Let's say that they have no retirement account, no other real property other than that home, um, no other assets with equity, planes, motorcycles, RVs, etc. No stocks or bonds in this one. No miscellaneous. And you should be, if you've got time in the process, the IRS is not breathing down your neck, and so you're doing this pre-qualifier in a uh, <laughs> not, not negotiating uh, under fire, so to speak, which is why you would probably be taking the time to do a pre-qualifier instead of going straight to a the emergency room to a tax professional, then you should be uh, tightening up these numbers so that you don't have a lot of this stuff and taking any uh, money that is in any of these things and applying those things towards that stuff that I talked about with um, the necessities of life, which the IRS will allow you to spend your money on. All right, moving right along, hitting next. Gross wages, let's say this person makes, uh, I don't know, say $9,000 a month, this family does. Um, 
let's give them no interest in dividends, no partnership income, no rental income, just to make these things easy for us in this process. No net business income, no child support coming in, no alimony coming in, no additional income coming in. Um, moving right along, let's go ahead and put a pretty high um, mortgage in here and just see what it does uh, on this $200,000 home. Let's put them at $3,500 a month. Maybe that's like a 15 year note or something there. Total vehicles owned would be one. Let's put the loan or lease payment up pretty high. Let's say that was a brand new truck that this taxpayer family has. Um, only one vehicle, 850 bucks a month. Vehicle operating costs, let's stick them in at $200. Let's do public transportation costs of, uh, let's do zero there because there's no, let's, let's keep it clean. Um, let's say they got no health insurance there, no life insurance there. Let's, uh, let's put them at a real low withholding there. Let's say $1,000 a month. I don't think you could ever get away with something like that, $9,000 a month uh, <laughs> with $1,000 a month of withholdings, but that's, that's for another day. Uh, trying to keep it clean and green here. Court order payments of zero, dependents, uh, care costs of zero there. Let's say that the kids are you know, older than... Uh, <laughs> Uh, toddlers, um, no dependent care costs. Um, and so the next screen tells us that uh, the taxpayer here does not qualify for an offer and compromise based on the information you provided. You have reported expenses of 5550 $5, and we have allowed expenses of $4,866. Your disposable income is therefore calculated at 4134 so the difference between uh, uh, the $9,000 that we reported as gross income there versus the $4,866 that they actually allowed. And when they give you this screen here and this pre-qualifier that you don't qualify, they really don't, they don't give you kind of how this all breaks down. They point you over to um, um, reviewing of other things to try to figure out what, what works there and what doesn't. But just for this exercise, this person at those things does not qualify um, for an offer and compromise. Now be careful about that because I will show you a few things here as we manipulate this calculator to kind of come up with a strategy moving forward. You can't really rely too heavily on this because there are a lot of nuances, there are a lot of things that, um, that you can fight about and that you can exceed these allowed expense numbers. See, there's a there's a pretty solid difference here between what they reported at 5,550 versus the 4,866 that was actually accepted by the computers here. So um, we'll talk about that kind of as we go through. Let's let's kind of move backwards here from this one. 
and see if there's something that we can do to blow your mind to show you that a little bit of pre-planning on these things if you have the time can really really help you let's do this let's add some health insurance premiums here let's give it a healthy one because you know life or health insurance is pretty expensive nowadays if you haven't noticed um, let's give them a little bit of life insurance here too and people go well, well what if I ain't got no life insurance or what if I don't have health insurance well my answer to that is go get it if you don't have it and the IRS allows it and you've got the time in other words you're not facing an immediate levy right now go do your planning go get some of this stuff that's what I'm gonna tell you when you come in and uh, we run the numbers and uh, you may not qualify or the IRS we submit an offer and compromise and they tell us that you don't qualify we're gonna go in and start chopping wood on some of these things that they will allow so let's just do a thousand there in health insurance and 200 in life insurance what do you know in determining your proposed offer amount the total available equity is based on information you entered in adjustments allowed by the IRS they've got our tax debt of 125,000 there no equity like I mentioned in the in any real property that's a zero monthly income of 9,000 now they're allowing us $6,066 in monthly expenses in this scenario let's break it down um, Food, clothing, and miscellaneous. We didn't give. They, I don't think they gave us a, a, a box to try that. But they will allow one thousand three hundred eighty-four dollars every month. And this is what I'm talking about here. These allowed food, clothing, and miscellaneous expenses. If the IRS is telling you, like it was in that previous scenario that we ran, that you're not a candidate. It didn't give us a chance to exceed this $1,384 like you can in real life with the IRS. Now you have to give them backup. You have to make arguments probably on this that you need to exceed the food, clothing, and miscellaneous. But um, you know it, uh, it's not set in stone like it is here in this deal. Uh, rent, mortgage, and utilities, remember we put $3,500 in. It's allowing us only $1,633 there on the mortgage or rent in that scenario, okay? So um, that's another one of those geographic specific numbers there, 1633 okay? It can be exceeded also. All right. This one is uh, pretty interesting when when the computer says we can get an offer conceptually and will allow us to look at where they came up with their numbers. Remember, this taxpayer has a brand new truck that has an $850 a really steep monthly payment on it. <laughs> and let me say that this kind of cuts both ways. You know. It, this this is showing a an accepted offer but 
when you're dealing with real live offer and compromise examiners, you know, they don't like to see brand new trucks and requests to have the have the taxpayers uh, taxes reduced <laughs> so that's a deal where uh, the human elements of things might hurt you but for purposes of this this person is getting a offer and compromise even though they have a new truck where they pay 850 bucks a month maybe they rolled a couple of uh, new trucks into that I don't know um, they're only gonna allow $497 on it okay Remember, there's no vehicle two. Vehicle operating costs, we were pretty spot on there. They allow $196, we put 200 bucks in. No public transportation costs. No out-of-pocket medical expenses. That's another one of those ones, though. They're gonna give you at least $156 worth of it. And that's a great one to be able to exceed the uh, monthly uh, gimme, I guess you would call it, in allowed expense that they just give you without much question. But if you have a lot of out-of-pocket medical expenses, which you might if you don't have insurance, which you would if you don't have insurance, then that's another thing that can be exceeded in that process. All right, health insurance premiums. Remember, we put in a thousand bucks. They gave us the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So that's a huge deal. And, you know, people go, well, so now I have to show the IRS that I'm, I'm spending $1,000 in premiums every month? Yeah, you do. And the next thing I can just hear somebody saying is, well, man, I, I don't even need that much. And the point is, like with everything, imagine these little, each one of these lines here of allowances as, as boxes you know and you just go fill them up and some boxes are smaller than others you know like this uh, food clothing and miscellaneous has a lid on top of it now you can open the lid and put more into it um, if you can argue that to the IRS um, this one's got a lid the rent mortgage utilities has got a lid um, you get the point um, but some of these have no lids on them, like health insurance premiums. And guess what? You get a pretty good bang for your buck by having health insurance, you know? Um, I don't know what all the current state of the law is at this very moment, but we do know, as I mentioned, that health insurance is expensive, and you're going to get health insurance <laughs> when you pay those premiums. Go figure. And uh, if you get sick or a family member gets sick, well, you get, you know, the double benefit there, not only of having it as an allowable expense. And by the way, nobody thinks about this when they're running their lives day to day. This is all an exercise that is very outside the norms for how we all live our lives. But when you're in the offer and compromise context and you have some time to, to do some figuring, to do some strategizing, this is, this is where you live. And um, so you get the, the bang for your buck of having some health insurance and doesn't look like there's any lid whatsoever on that in this scenario. Moving on, life insurance premiums. Uh, they gave us all $200 of that without any question. Federal, state, and local taxes. They gave us all that we um, could show that we paid there. And how do we show them? We give them our paycheck stubs. 
<laughs> um, or canceled uh, checks, as the case may be. This includes quarterlies that you have to pay as well. No court ordered payments, no child support, um, no dependent costs. You got remaining income here. Remember, there's no equity in any assets, zero. Total remaining income of 2,934 bucks per month. So you would, would be paying, you've got reported expenses of 6,750 and we allowed 6,666 of it. Your disposable income has been calculated as $9,000. That's not net disposable income. That net disposable income, that 9,000 minus 6,066 $6 is net disposable income. And behind the scenes, what they've done is they've taken uh, that net amount, that $2,934, because that's 9,000 minus 6,066. Um, and they've taken that out times the number of months left in the uh, statute of limitations on this 2011, remember debt, and added penalties and interest to it also. And it won't full pay that $125,000 tax debt. So now they'll default down, take this $2,934, take it times 12, and it spits out this $35,208 is the amount of the offer and compromise on this option one, which is a essentially called a cash offer. Um, you have five full months to pay out $35,208. I should also point out, and I will again here before this is all said and done, when you take this option one cash offer type, you have to put 20% down on it. Um, which, let me do a little bit of figuring here, 35,208 um, times 0.2. This person would have to come up with $7,041.60 right out of the gate. Now, people get stressed out about that, but, um, you know, you've got, as I mentioned, six full months to wait while the IRS does all this stuff plus any time that the IRS is gonna argue with you about any of these different categories of expenses or require additional information to shore up whether or not you've been paying quarterlies and whether or not um, they're going to give you the full amount of these expenses and whatnot so six months plus whatever that amount of time takes plus in many instances doing an appeal um, plus, it's usually about 30 to 45 days at least from the time that they say yes, usually more like 60 plus days, from the time that they say yes, we'll accept option one, to the time that they say, um, you know, you've got to now put down your 20% and then we'll start you on um, five months of 35000 208 actually 35,208 minus the 7,041.60 that 20% that you put down so long story short you got a long time before you got to come up with that 20% on this thing okay however some people are just in you know really bad straits on this trying to get caught up on quarterlies for instance 
And so there is a second option where you don't have to put down 20%. You don't have to put that $7,000 down. However, uh, they take that net disposable income on option two here and they extrapolate that out over 24 months, okay? And in that scenario then, you don't have to put down 20%, you just start paying off um, the higher um, option two amount in 24 equal monthly installments which in this scenario would be 2934 bucks per month, okay? So, um, you can see here, you wanna do the cash offer, you wanna do the shorter uh, payout of five months because it's, what do you know, it's half of what you'd be paying if you don't have to put down the 20%, okay? So that's uh, kind of scenario two. Let's back this out even further and try a couple of things. Let's do, um, let's keep the rent or mortgage at 3,500. Let's do a couple of vehicles this time, shall we? We'll leave the new truck in there at 850 bucks a month. Let's do, let's tell the taxpayer, go out and get a second um, vehicle <laughs> and people look at me like I'm crazy when I do this when we tell taxpayers oh uh, to get an offer of compromise you're gonna have to go get yourself I'm sorry a uh, another vehicle and it makes good sense here especially if both um, family members are generating income because they gotta have rides to work is the argument. And so they'll need a new, uh, right? doesn't matter if it's a new car or whatever it is, you just need to have a loan payment of 400 bucks, okay? Which would also then double your vehicle operating costs. Double that. Um, let's do something a little more reasonable on health insurance premiums there just for kicks. I'm, again, I'm not making any commentary on uh, what type of coverage you would be getting here. These are just filling up those boxes like we talked about a minute ago. Um, let's strike the life insurance premiums in this scenario. Keep the taxes the way that they are. And remember, before we started manipulating this thing, really all we've changed here is we've added a, uh, a vehicle to the mix and a little bit of health insurance premium there. And what do you know? Computer says we get another offer and compromise. Um, this time it is a $36,000 um, cash offer must be paid in five months with 20% down, uh, or a 24-month offer of 72,000, which is double. And let's break down the monthly expenses just real quick, see what happened there. Nothing else changed, but they, what do you know? They gave us the second vehicle loan 
at $400, right on the button. They gave it, a, gave us all of it. Um, they gave us almost all of double our vehicle operating costs. When we moved it from 200 to 400, they gave us $392. Um, they again accepted all our health insurance premiums. We had no life insurance in that scenario. Net disposable income there again, no equity in in the uh, in the family home. Uh, shakes out to $3,038 uh, per month. Which behind the scenes again, they're extrapolating that out over the uh, amount of months still left on that 2011 tax year statute of limitations. They're not boring you with any of that stuff, that reasonable collection potential. Um, assuming as we will here that 3,038 bucks a month will not full pay the tax within the period of time that they have to collect it, then it defaults down again to 12 months um, of net disposable income um, and that's the amount of your offer right there. Put down 20%, pay it in five months, and um, you save about 90 grand. So great. Um, let's start over. Hey, podcast, quick interruption here. Have you been up at 2 a.m. worrying about your IRS problem again lately? You know, IRS problems have a way of ruining all aspects of your life. They take a toll on you financially, physically, and emotionally. You can never really forget about them as they come back every morning when you wake up. It's time to call Travis Watkins Tax Resolution and Accounting Firm right now and start sleeping again tonight. Travis Watkins Tax will talk to the IRS for you and help you get the best deal available for your unique situation with the IRS with programs like the Fresh Start Initiative and the IRS's Offer and Compromise. Call me at 833 243 5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to watkinspodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that no frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, no big deal. Just keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content that we offer on how you can fix your tax problem today. Now, if you call us in the next 30 minutes, we'll also send you our free confidential insider report, How to End IRS Problems Forever. That number again is 833-243-5455 or log on to watkinspodcast.com. Now, back to your podcast. With our scenario here and, and run something kind of the opposite. We've been looking at a zero um, home equity scenario. So let's look at a... a something that has home equity in it. Um, again, we'll say we're not in bankruptcy. We've uh, filed all our federal tax returns. We've made all our estimated tax payments. We uh, don't have self we're not, uh, we don't have employees to pay in this scenario. Let's do that. Let's just move on to the next step, which is zip code. Let it start figuring all our stuff. Let's go back to the three person household scenario, uh, total members of household 65 years or older. You know, we could put some people in here um, because this is a very likely scenario that I'm getting ready to run 
sometimes with folks that have on a fixed budget or um, really no recurring income, but they have significant equity in their home, for instance. Um, let's do the $125,000 tax debt again, the most recent year. Let's, heck, let's move it up. Let's give them a longer statute of limitations to mess with here, okay? Um, very recent tax year. And by the way, a lot of times uh, people will tell you, the IRS will tell you, boy, you know, with, a, with home equity and uh, the, the tax years being really new, there ain't no way you're going to get an offer in compromise. Well, let's just, let's just see about that. Um, deplete the bank balance down to 12 bucks again. Um, let's move the home market value in this one to about 75 grand. Um, let's put a, um, let's even put a home loan balance on there. Let's do a significant one there, 40,000 bucks. Um, I don't know if that one will clear, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, not going to worry too much about vehicle equity here. Let's just go ahead and say they got a free and clear vehicle, even. Um, no vehicle two, no retirements, let's say. No other real property. Um, other assets, none. No stocks and bonds, no miscellaneous. Let's give them uh, real low wages in this one. 2000 bucks a month of gross. Um, no interest, none of these other things on the, in the way of income. We want to get this income in, the, in this scenario down as low as possible. Let's do, oh, I don't know. Let's do this $300 in uh, mortgage and utilities. I think that's pretty reasonable for a uh, for this one. Um, total vehicles own one. Um, let's say that that one vehicle is totally free and clear. get um, some vehicle operating costs, so I might as well put them in there. I think it was 197 a month of vehicle operating costs, no public transportation. Let's not worry about health insurance premiums or life. Um, let's say they've got uh, 500 bucks a month in taxes there, no court-ordered payments, no child care still getting an offer and compromise on $125,000 debt look here total remaining income after the $2,000 um, a month in income and they're upside down with their expenses by about 500 bucks in things that the IRS will allow them to spend their money on and there it is a big fat zero uh, but $20,000 in equity there, but of course that isn't $125,000 in equity. Um, 
this scenario that I ran would, would run up to, I mean, you know, up to $125,000. They're going to get $124,999. They're going to get an offer, <laughs> but they're going to have to come up with the equity. So this is what's called an equity only um, offer in compromise. And again, all these things are doubt as to collectability types of offers in compromise. Um, we've talked about that general thing in the last video. So you've got two options here. Uh, pay 20,000 bucks within five months or pay the 20,000 over a six to 24 month period. And uh, in option one, again, this is a cash offer. And if you get 20,000 bucks laying around, well, uh, great. Or if grandma does, then wonderful. You wouldn't uh, because your bank account's at uh, $12 <laughs> again. So um, in this option one, you're going to have to come up with 20%, that 20% good faith down payment with this thing. Or you could just pay $20,000 over 24 month period. Which would you rather do? Put down, uh, you know, um, what is that? $4,000 um, or just pay it out. Uh, $20,000 over the course of 24 months, which is $833.33. I'm going to take option two on that one. So in this equity only scenario, option one cash offer versus uh, this, this 24 month one uh, does not result in any difference in the total offer amount. It's only a significant difference in how it gets paid out. Okay, so I think most people in that scenario would end up going with the uh, with the 24-month offer. All right. Okie doke. Let's collapse this thing if we can. So now that we've got an offer here, um, it directs you to um, the offer and compromise booklet there at the top of the page. And again, nothing's getting saved in any of this deal. So it's not going to populate any of these things for you. You're going to have to go do it yourself in this offer and compromise booklet. It is the 656 booklet offer in compromise. Let me just show you a few things on this thing. If you were to be doing this thing yourself, I keep in mind uh, all the things that we've talked about with that, with that, uh, with that calculator all kind of come home to roost all the problems there when you go to actually put this stuff into the form itself. Uh, the first few pages are all explanatory instructions on how to apply for an offer and compromise. Um, skipping down to page one of the 433 OIC. We've talked about 433A a bunch. It's the collection information statement for wage earners and self-employed individuals. And um, we've been over this form, really. There's, this one is designated OIC. It goes with your packet. Um, but nothing really significantly different here than your regular type of 433. They're going to want personal and household information. If you don't if you want some more instruction on that, go back and look at previous videos on the collection information statement. Um, section two, employment information for wage earners, okay? Three, personal asset information. They're gonna want uh, the bank accounts, um, any type of uh, IRA, retirements, 401ks, 
in there, you're just tallying all these things and telling the IRS where these are, by the way, which is kind of a scary proposition if things don't ultimately pan out, then the IRS knows all the things about where to go to find the money. But uh, you do have to put it in there in order to get an offer and compromise. Um, personal assets in Section 3 continued, some real estate in there. Um, that's where you would put your home, for instance. Um, also cash value of life insurance policies. Uh, there's that current market value, quick sale value thing that we talked about. Your current market value going in here. And then, uh, I don't know if it'll do things for you. Is that 200,000? No, it doesn't do it for you. Uh, times 0.8 is the quick sale value on that. I think it was like 160 grand. Minus your loan balance. You gotta tell them where you're where your loan is, um, all that type of information in there. Uh, then the next section within part three is vehicles that we talked about. They wanna know when it was purchased, the mileage. They're looking for um, 6A, the total value, fair market value of the vehicle, and they will take that into consideration in the offer and compromise. Um, then vehicle two, and others would go on uh, here or attach extra forms if, um, if, if you have more than two vehicles. Personal assets going on in section three, um, list all those things there. And that uh, the gray box is box A, the available individual equity in assets. Um, everything in section three gets totaled up there. Um, and remember, they, they are gonna want the value of the equity in any assets that you have, real estate, personal assets, vehicles, all those things going in that box A, all right? Um, part four is self-employed information, and I, I should have told you this one earlier. If you are self-employed, you should be filling out section four first. Um, I would go in and if I'm self-employed, fill out these parts first because it's the same type of evaluation. They want business assets in there, all emptying out into box B, okay? Section six there is also for self-employed. Um, again, I would do this part first if I'm self-employed. Get all your gross income in there, lines 12 through 17. And then all business assets, line 18 through 28, culminating in a, um, a figure of all your um, gross uh, expenses. Um, I kind of told you wrong there. Lines 12 through 16 are all the income and then a tally of all the income on 17. So then box C, you subtract um, all the income minus the expenses and you get yourself a net business income, which then, uh, then at that point you can head into uh, section seven, um, which, you know, gives you um, your net business income has to all be included in your personal um, 
in, in your personal household income calculations here in section seven. So that's all, you know, um, all the income sources, lines 30 through 38. And the IRS, again, will uh, verify that stuff on its own, usually, and it may have questions. Your examiner may have questions about things there. The nice part about this uh, is this is not an audit. You're going to them hat in hand and you are giving them a lot of deep <laughs> personal financial information that they will have on file as mentioned, but they're not checking this thing for like uh, major fraud, you know. So little mistakes here or there are tolerable. They'll be checked out by the IRS and if they aren't checked out, if, if your income's not jiving with what they have, then um, they're just gonna get a, a denied offer probably if you can't get that shored up, okay? Um, skipping down monthly household expenses, all that, uh, line 39 through uh, 48, rather 40, sorry, line 39 through line 50, and then uh, total household expenses, and then box F, that's the, um, that's that net disposable income that we've been talking about. All the Income minus allowed expenses goes to monthly and uh, the, the remaining monthly income. All right, here's all the stuff that the computer was tallying up for us behind the scenes. That box F times 12 um, is the future remaining income there for the, for the cash offer, 12 month offer. Or if you're doing a 24 month offer, um, that box F goes there times 24 and and then you get your uh, future remaining income for the 24 month offer. Skipping down you take uh, box A uh, plus box B. You remember boxes A and B were those personal uh, assets there. Um, and then you add those to either box G or box H depending on which type of offer you're doing there. And that's um, assets plus Net disposable income times either 12 or 24 equals your offer amount. All right. Moving right along, section nine. These should look very familiar from the uh, from the computer uh, generated calculator. You uh, they, they want to know if you've been in bankruptcy. <laughs> um, a few other things. Party to a lawsuit. Are you uh, essentially? Uh, getting any type of windfalls here shortly? Have you uh, transferred any assets for less than their full market value? Um, any property been transferred lately in the past three years? Um, have you been outside the U.S. for six months or longer? They're getting at uh, that tolling of statute of limitations. Um, their statute of limitations or CSED does not run while you're outside the U.S. for six months or longer. And do you have any offshore stuff? Like, you know, why not? <laughs> Let's get all the uh, intrusive information we possibly can, you know. Um, Got to sign it under penalties of perjury. And this next form is 433B. It's collection information statement for businesses. I'm not going to go into that one. 
because uh, it's a very rare scenario. It's something way beyond the scope of what we're doing here today. There are some situations where businesses can uh, get offers in compromise. The great majority of those are businesses that are no longer functioning. They are not viable and therefore you're flushing uh, some tax debt on something that's not um, you know, typically got any more value coming in through it. You may have assets, but um, anyway, we'll move through all that stuff. If you're not doing a business offer and compromise, you don't need it. It's very similar to the 433A. Skipping now to 656, the offer and compromise. This is the this is the uh, the actual form that you're going to be using to do your offer and compromise. Got all your individual information. Um, it's got here what types of what tax years you're going for here. Remember our scenarios we did 2011 and 2016. Those would be going in that box there. Trust fund recovery penalties are also things that you can get offers and compromise on. That's payroll taxes that flow through to the individual. Nasty taxes. They can be uh, reduced in a offer and compromise scenario, even though you know they're sticking around in most scenarios like bankruptcy. You're not going to be able to bankrupt them out of your life. 941 employment uh, employers quarterly federal tax returns different types of things that you can get offers and compromise on those are outside of what we're talking about today but those you're listing in there um, next thing here is they're trying to calculate uh, if you're a low income taxpayer you don't have to pay the uh, the processing fee on the offer and compromise um, these are for businesses, this ne next section. Um, this is where you um, figure out, um, or they figure out if you've been making your quarterly tax payments um, in section five. Uh, section six, they want to know where it came, where the money's coming from <laughs> to pay the offer and compromise. I mean, uh, grandma? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, this is not super important um, here in this part. And then you gotta check a bunch of stuff here um, under penalties of perjury. And then we get to the offer terms, payment terms, uh, section four. Sorry, skipping backwards here. Um, this is that five-month cash offer. If you're doing that one. You check the box there, put in that total offer amount, and it was like, what, 32,000 bucks in those scenarios-ish, plus your 20% uh, down payment. Uh, with the remaining balance there, let's just run it. I mean, $32,000, uh, putting 20% down is uh, 6,400 bucks. Um, take that. From the thirty-two thousand, that offer is twenty-five thousand six hundred dollars, um, and then you can break up that twenty-five six hundred into one, two, three, four, five payments of 
in that scenario. Um, 5,120. And you do that again there, and there, and there, and there. And sometimes, if you're real crafty and uh, <laughs> you're dealing with a cool offer examiner that you've been down the road with before on these things, you might be able to get away with something like that there. <laughs> uh, you, you might be able to get away with balloon painting a uh, a total amount there of the remaining offer balance um, in five full months. In other words, zero here, zero here, zero here, zero here on your monthly, your four monthly payments that went up to the final balloon payment. All right. So that's lump sum cash offer. Um, you can do the 24-month uh, offer if you just want to start paying, and you would have to start paying right along with the um, offer and compromise when you make this. So uh, send your first payment um, of the 24-month offer um, in that scenario, $64,000 offer, uh, $2,666. Okay, and then 2,666 more um, on the whatever day you want to set it up for of the next month thereafter um, for however many months for final payment of whatever. You might be able to get away with this uh, 000 across the board in balloon payment. Um, I have done it before. It's uh, it's kind of a drawn out, uh, complex process, but it is possible in certain scenarios, all right? Um, the rest of these things, uh, as I mentioned, source of funds, uh, not overly, you know, uh, a big deal. Do have to sign this one also under penalties of perjury, and, uh, and that there is your offer and compromise. They even are nice enough at the end to give you a nice checklist of all the stuff to make sure that you got everything in the 433A um, and your supporting documentation, your payments, uh, either you're showing that you are um, uh, going to send in your first 24-month offer payment, um, you need to send in a $186 application fee with that, um, and then it tells you even where to mail Dagum offer and compromise. All right. So that is the um, offer in compromise process. All right. Um, gave away a lot of stuff there in that one. Um, happy to do it because uh, you know a lot of people aren't going to. Uh, my, my guess is that if you if you stuck around to watch this entire thing, you might be one of those people that uh, might be able to do this thing on your own. All things being equal though, um, I don't think that there's a whole lot of people that will be doing this on their own. Um, I hope there are. But um, kind of closing thoughts on this thing, let's say, I mean, uh, 
this is kind of against my my best interest, you know, to give you all these uh, these great clues and everything. But I'm I'm happy to do it. I mean, maybe five out of a hundred people might give it a shot, and uh, of those five, uh, three of them are probably going to get denied on the first occasion. And in those circumstances, if you've got a good offer, you just got to go straight on to appeals. And I'll tell you more about appeals in later videos. But um, you know, then in the appellate process, let's say one more person uh, gets it accepted. Um, you know, the IRS is scary and um, they do deny these things quite a bit. So if you want somebody to help you out with these things, of course, uh, we are available to do that. A couple closing, more closing things on this. Um, you've got to stay current on your tax uh, filings and payments for five full years or everything that you've done if you get an accepted offer and compromise comes rolling back on top of you so always remember uh, that thing that nasty deal also so what's the best way to do this i mean uh, get back into the system pay your offer make sure that you get your returns filed from year to year and uh, get yourself some bookkeeping here especially if you're a self-employed person you know that's the only surefire way of making sure all your hard work is uh, sticks on the offer and compromise program is to file from year to year, get some professional help with that, and to also make sure that you're paying your quarterly payments if you have to pay those things, and a lot of self-employed folks do, and that's where we earn our keep as well in the bookkeeping process. All right, I hope this was really helpful for you, and I hope you have a great uh, day on here. Um, Give us a call if you've got any further questions, and I really appreciate you watching. Thanks.